We thank you, Lord, for your word tonight and uh, ask that you would just touch our hearts and also just to appreciate your message to us that we can really take hold of what you would say. We pray, Shanae. I was thinking of that story when this uh, man was sort of walking close to a cliff and he just fell over, unfortunately. Uh, and he's going down and he grabbed onto a branch of a tree coming out from the cliff. And now he's hanging on that branch. He wasn't a very religious guy, but he knew this was a perilous moment. And so he cried out to God, as you do in those moments. Help me, God, come to my aid. And he heard this loud voice from heaven, just let go. And he said, is there anybody else up there? So anyway, after a while he gave in and he just had to let go because he couldn't hang on any longer. And he dropped onto a ledge that was just below him. So is there anyone else up there? <laughs> we hear this uh, word from Jeremiah a curse on the one who puts his trust in human flesh, relies on things of the flesh, whose heart turns from the Lord. But then a blessing on the one who puts his trust in the Lord, with the Lord for his hope. So are we able to put our trust in the Lord? Well, probably not without the grace of God. It's a wonderful gift that the Lord gives us to be able to trust Him. The image that's used here by Jeremiah, the one that doesn't trust the Lord, is like dry scrub in the wastelands. Like dry scrub in the wastelands. I remember when I was uh, travelling across Australia through the desert, there's a lot of tumbleweed and, and, you know, in the Mallee scrub, the wind gets behind it and it's going nowhere really, it's going everywhere but nowhere. This is how it is with someone who does not trust the Lord. But the image for the one who does trust the Lord it's like a tree by the waterside, thrusting its roots to the stream. When the heat comes, it feels no alarm. So are you that tree by the waterside? I trust you are. So that you're drawing from the source of life all the time, with the roots down deeply, so you can grow well and strong, and that bear good fruit and foliage, even in time of drought, when things go terribly wrong. 
This is a beautiful image, isn't it, of someone who has found their place in God and allowed the Lord to really be present within them. So they're drawing from his strength, drawing from his love, and able to trust their life into his loving hands. And constantly then, drawing up from the deep within the soul all the grace that they need for any circumstance. This is what we all desire, isn't it? Because the fundamental problem with humanity from the beginning was that we lost trust in God. Remember when Satan came to Eve in the garden and his first thing he says to Eve is, did God really say that you don't have to, you should not eat from the trees in the garden? Did God really say that? Immediately put it sowing doubt, sowing mistrust into the heart. This is the enemy's ploy, that we would mistrust God, that we think it's all too good to be true, that we could really rely upon him in all circumstances and at all times. And he says, oh, well, it was, uh, God said that we could eat of the other trees, but not of the tree of knowledge. That's the one we couldn't eat of. Because if we eat of that, we'll die. And Satan says, You won't die. In other words, God's a liar. You can't trust him. So that's written into our fallen human nature. This tendency we have within us to not to trust in God but to maybe fall into a self-sufficient stance in myself, or to put my trust in other things, or other people, ultimately, or in uh, things of the flesh, rather than to turn to God. Thanks be to God for Jesus, who came as one of us, to restore this trust that we can have, and make it possible for us to trust in God. Because our human nature, without the power of God's grace, is not able to do that. The whole secret of Jesus is that he trusted the Father. As the Son, he trusted the Father in his humanity, and he never lost that trust. Even when it was put to an amazing test in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he cries out, Father, take this cup from me. It's too much. But then he realizes in his spirit that it is the Father's will. And so he says, Well, your will, not mine, be done. You see, this is our redemption. And ultimately on the cross, final words of Jesus, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And so he's made it possible for us to trust in Him, not by our own strength, but in Christ, we are able to trust the Father at all times. You see, that's the sign of a true disciple. 
We heard it in the psalm. Happy indeed is the one who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor lingers in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners, but has his delight in the law of the Lord. Finding my delight in the word of God, and it's like a tree that's planted beside flowing waters that yields its fruit in due season. This is what we're meant to be like. So that means that we are men and women of prayer because we are constantly turning back to the Lord. Because the tendency within us that's written into our fallen human nature is to lose trust in God. It's just there. And so we're always having to, again, turn back to the Lord. When we go to the sacrament of reconciliation, more than often, underneath what we confess is a lack of trust in God. And so this is the great call, isn't it? Because there's a tendency in each of us to fall back into a self-sufficient place and to want to have control of my life according to my way and how I want it. Uh, And rather than to really put my life in the hands of the Lord and to give the controls over to him as it were, rather than, I'm always grasping back that rudder of the ship or whatever it is, uh, to take it my way. Uh, And again, it's that, do I really trust the Lord? Do I yield to him in that way or not? This is the call in each of us, isn't it? There's a big struggle to trust God, and one of the biggest struggles, of course, is that life brings great tragedies. Life gives us big setbacks and reversals, upheavals, catastrophes of one kind or another. And and at that point, there is a huge temptation to blame God and to lose trust in him. But each time these turns happen in our life that can seem so destructive, under God's providence, It's an opportunity to go deeper in trust of him. It's an opportunity to go into a deeper yes before him. Some years ago, I had a calamity in ministry. Don't worry, it wasn't anything sexual. (laughs) But I had a major calamity that caused me great distress and also caused others great distress as well. And and I was shaken to the core by what had happened. And and in that state, I went to my spiritual director and poured it all out to him. And I thought he was going to give me some sympathy, because that's what I was looking for. But he only asked one question. He said, where was God in all that? I said, well, he wasn't in it at all. Couldn't have been. Such a calamity. He said, well, go looking deeper. Where was God in it? And I did find the presence of God in it. I was being humbled in ministry. It was actually a great grace that I needed to have because I was maybe a little bit uppity in myself. It was a good thing to be able to come to that place where I was laid low 
and having to trust more upon the Lord and depend upon him. You know, another example, I've told this maybe before, but it did shape my life a bit. Uh, we used to have a big centre in town. It's an old school. Uh, and in there, we had lots of things happening with uh, youth events and all sorts of uh, gatherings of one kind or another. My office was there, and it was a centre for all our activities as young, with the young people. And one day, I get this message, the centre's burning down. Come quickly. So I came as quickly as I could, but it was too late. The fire people were there, and it was a big smoke was building out of the place, and uh, it was obviously going to burn to the ground. And I said, I've got to go in. I've got all my things in there. I've got to go into my office. They said, there's no way. They had to hold me back physically. <laughs> and so we watched it burn. And then standing in the charred remains after this tragedy... You know, I had done a lot of study and in those days didn't have anything on uh, microfiche or anything like that. It was all burnt, all gone. And I'm standing in the middle of it all and it came to me, those words are from Job. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I return. The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If I should receive happiness from the hand of the Lord, should I not also receive sorrow? And that gave me peace. I had a, quite a big grace, I think, at that moment. I'm not sure how I'd handle it these days, but that's where it was then. Uh, and, and so I think it's important for us to, as it were, live in the eye of the storm. The first visit I made to Manila they put me in a high-rise apartment. Uh, and there was a terrific storm came through. It was really a hurricane. Uh, they've got another word for it over there. What are they called? Whatever that is. Uh, hmm? A typhoon. It was a typhoon. came through. It came straight through Manila. Uh, and so I was watching trees go past my window uh, up in this high-rise. <laughs> One of those sort of <laughs> moments... <laughs> And there was a, a big crane, a, a, a building not far from where I was, and it was swirling around in the wind and everything. I think it's going to come off and it's going to come straight through my window. So I was a bit terrified by all of this. I was in the middle of the storm. But then all of a sudden, it went quiet, peaceful, totally peaceful. So I went downstairs, came out, and I met some other people, and that they came out as well, looking at the destruction. Then it wasn't long before it started whipping up again. Because you see, we were in the eye of the storm. And I think, as we grow in trust in the Lord, we learn to live in the eye of the storm, where it's peaceful. As everything else is swirling around us, in chaos. And we're finding it very difficult to cope, at one level, in our lives, but at a deeper level, because we're rooted like that tree by the waterside, deep down, we're rooted in the Lord and our love for him and our faith that he will never dish us up anything that we cannot pass through. We'll never be tested beyond our strength. But testings will definitely come. But it's a, a scriptural reality that, yes, the Lord is faithful. He'll never allow you to be tested beyond your strength. With every testing, 
he'll give you the way through. And so we hold on to him in the middle of all the trials and difficulties. There's a beautiful text in Isaiah where it says, You keep him in perfect peace, O Lord, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. As we trust in the Lord, he keeps us in peace, in the depth of our spirit, even in the midst of great struggle. So my friends, um, we must learn to trust the Lord. Now notice what happens, of course, is that oftentimes we get distracted and we begin to turn from God towards earthly things for our ultimate satisfaction. So we're no longer trusting the Lord with our lives. We're no longer trusting in his provision, but we're now, in a sense, turning towards possessions, maybe fame, the opinion of others, for our satisfaction, for our fulfilment. Uh, and we forget that it's God's purpose that we learn to be naked with him, uh, and naked before him. Just as Adam and Eve were before they lost trust in God, that we can actually walk in that same dependency now because of Jesus. Uh, how, Jesus says there, how happy are the poor. And he's looking at his disciples and he says it. This is the condition of a disciple. How happy are the poor. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now he's not blessing destitution, which is an evil. No, but he's blessing his disciples who truly depend fully on the Father as he does. He's blessing his disciples who have taken on a way of life of simplicity in such a way that possessions don't own them or, or any other cause does not own them except the Lord himself owns them. And everything else comes into right priority after that because they lean upon the Lord. They're depending upon him. This is our call, isn't it? You know, Jesus in Luke's Gospel a little bit later talks about the rich man you know, who stored up all of his prophets and everything, his, all the produce that he had from his land, in big barns, and he made bigger and bigger barns. And so he was doing very well. He was living the capitalist dream, really, and doing very well, and feeling he was very secure now because he's got this big, fat bank account, he's got all this capital gain, and, and everything's go, going well. Now, eat, drink, and make merry, and have a good time. And Jesus says, Fool, this very night your soul will be demanded of you. And where will all those riches go then? So we need to ask the question, where am I placing my trust? Where am I placing my trust? Is my trust ultimately in the Lord? Am I truly anchored in Him? Or am I half and half, in one way or another, not yet fully surrendered to the Lord in my life? Not yet given to Him? Either I've fallen into self-sufficiency or I've fallen into sort of hanging on to other things too tightly because I'm scared, fearful that I won't be secure. 
but ultimately our security is only found in the Lord himself. And this is what we celebrate when we come to this Eucharist, that we're the people who are God's own. We call ourselves God's people. We belong to him. And everything we have is a gift from him. So we can rely upon him, uh, depend upon him, yield and surrender our lives to him, uh, and daily walk the journey of the true disciple. No matter what life dishes up to us, all of that's a mystery for us as to why things happen. But we know that in the midst of that, we can actually trust the Lord and give over to him, yielding ourselves to him more deeply. He uses everything that happens in our life for one purpose, to take us into a deeper place of trusting in him. So the ultimate moment when we come to death, when everything fades away then, and we're going through that door to the ultimate place where we've been intended to go, at that moment, that's the ultimate act of trust. Into your hands I commend my spirit in union with Jesus huh, on the cross. And where everything we do here is heading in that direction. And so let's not be afraid, but again and again, just take up that call upon the, of the Lord to enter more deeply into relationship with him and to allow him, his, allow his love to persuade our hearts. Because it's only when we come to know the love of God deeply that we can really trust him. Because otherwise we sort of tend to think, oh, maybe he'll let me down. He'll take me so far, then he'll drop me. Because you see, we've experienced being dropped by others. Uh, unfortunately, we've all experienced this. But with the Lord, he will never drop you. He'll never let you down. He'll never let you go. He'll hold you through all difficulties and trials and tribulations, whatever they may be. You know, he is the Lord God. And when you trust in him, you've got a sure insurance. There's no other insurance better than that, I can tell you. It's really the way to live. The assurance that comes from the Lord himself is what we live by. And bless his name.